Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. Great set of windows, great front door. It can make a statement, and it can totally change how your home looks and feels, and even how it operates as well. It can make your home more energy efficient. If you are thinking about getting some new windows or a new front door, you need to holler at Pella. Give them a ring, 402-493-1350, 493-1350. Check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. It is Tuesday, March 24th. I hope everyone is doing okay. Life is still in a state of craziness with this coronavirus stuff, and it seems to get crazier every day. I know I had my personal, uh, had a personal eye-opening moment with everything, uh, gosh, on Sunday, I think it was. So my parents, who are both over 60 years old, uh, me and my wife felt like, you know what, we should... Let's make sure they stay in the house. I mean, with everything going on, you just don't know. So we're like, let's let's hit them up and let's say, hey, we'll go to the grocery store for you, and then we'll bring the groceries to your house, and so you guys don't have to leave. So we go to the grocery store for them, and you know, and the eye-opening moment for me because of everything, and 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 you think about all the different stuff that's going on, and the fact that I was in New York just under two weeks ago. So we wanted to be safe after we got the groceries. So we dropped off the groceries on the front porch and didn't come in the house. There was something about like, this is the house I grew up in. My parents are inside and I can't like, I don't want to come into my house and hand my own mom and dad groceries. And even I brought my wife and I, we brought Mava, my four-year-old daughter. Mava couldn't give my mom a hug. Like, We'd set the stuff on the porch. They stayed like 10 feet away. We chatted for a second and left. And as I drove away, I I thought like, damn, man, that's that's my mom. That's my dad. That's my childhood home that I grew up in. We had to drop off groceries on the front porch. Couldn't come near them like, goodness gracious. And I realized that is a small event, but everything is relative, obviously, to your own experience. And, you know, I guess just for me, while my my personal daily life has changed, that was probably the first legit experience with a loved one that was dramatically different, you know? Like, you you don't see a lot of people because you're not going anywhere, and so you don't, you, your interactions with people have been limited, and that was the first one being, seeing my parents and how it went down, it was just, it was different, man. It was different. So it's it's scary out there, it's stressful. I hope everyone's doing their part, staying home, social distancing, all that stuff, because, man, it's uh, it's crazy. Um, but obviously, we do need to have some distractions and some entertainment uh, in this world right now. And before I set up this pod and get to uh, the guest of the day, Doug Gottlieb, speaking of entertainment and how we're all starving for sports and anything to watch, I did get sucked in to CBS was replaying classic old NCAA tournament games. And of course, I was like, oh, I got to watch this. I watched... 
1982 Georgetown, North Carolina NCAA title game. I watched uh, 1983 NC State, Houston, the Jim Valvano uh, iconic moment, that title game. I watched 92 Duke, Kentucky. I watched 2008 Memphis, Kansas, and bits and pieces of, of other games. And as I'm watching these games, you know what one of my biggest, broadest takeaways was? I don't know how on earth you compare eras when it comes to players. I, I really don't. I mean, you you watched, for instance, 1982 Georgetown, North Carolina, that, that game. You watched Georgetown, North Carolina play in 1982. And then you watched the 2016 North Carolina Villanova national title game. And it's almost like a different sport in some ways, which how much with how much the game has changed and evolved, adding a shot clock, adding the three-point line, and with how the game has gravitated towards the three-point line nowadays compared to how everything was kind of right around the rim and in the paint and it was all about having a good big guy and now it's a little bit more guard-oriented. I just I don't know how you compare eras. I, I really don't. I mean, that Georgetown-North Carolina game in the half court There'd be like seven or eight dudes in the paint all at once. Georgetown would play like a 2-1-2, not a 2-3, a legit 2-1-2, and all five guys were like inside of 13 feet. I mean, in the, in the, uh, in the 1983 NC State Houston game, and, and even in the Georgetown North Carolina game too, you could basically shoot an 18-foot jump shot anytime you wanted offensively. Anytime you, the shot Jordan hit to win the game, that's like a, they just threw it to the left wing and Jordan's like 17 feet from the basket and just steps into a wide, I mean, it's like, that would, it's just, it's a totally different game. I mean, how do you, how do you compare that scenario to watching Steph Curry and Clay Thompson nowadays? You basically can't. Now, I will say in watching, like I was, there was some, I was blown away with a young Patrick Ewing. I was blown away by James Worthy. I was really impressed with the physicality and the athleticism in the 2008 Memphis Kansas game. I will say, watching Jordan, MJ in that 1982 game, he was kind of like a non factor until he hit the game winner. I, I thought Hakeem Olajuwon was mind blowingly good, even though he, you know, that you could tell he was. Had to get the oxygen and all that stuff. I was not overly impressed with Clyde Drexler, even though Clyde's one of the 50 greatest players ever. So it's just, it's, it's, but it's hard. You know, you, it's, I, I, the way I'm blown away with, with James Worthy and Patrick Ewing, just like I'm blown away with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry every time I watch him play nowadays, right? Both, all of them are great in their own way, in their own era. And, I get that in sports, we always want to rank and compare, and that's kind of what makes sports and debating fun. But I don't know. I'm at the point where, I, you know, I guess I'll engage in those debates, but I, I truly just don't know how you can compare eras with how much the game has evolved. That was like, beyond anything else, watching all those games and watching, you know, from the early 80s and then into the, you know, then in the early 90s and the late 90s and the 2000s and then today, like, it's just, it's, it, the game has totally changed. Totally changed. Okay, sorry for the tangent. So on this pod, I wanted to put a big fat bow on this college basketball season from a national standpoint because the the rug got pulled out from under all of us with college basketball and really sports getting canceled. And man, I think we were I think we had a super entertaining NCAA tournament on tap. 
And even though throughout the year, the quality of play maybe wasn't off the charts great. And even though I, I didn't think there was an elite team this year when pitted against maybe some other elite teams of the past, I do think this season ended up being a super entertaining one where on any given night, it truly felt like anybody could beat anyone. And that's pretty fun. So what's interesting, I'll just let you behind the curtain. I had all this stuff typed up, ready to go. I had my top 10 storylines of the college basketball season, my All-American picks, my player of the year, my coach of the year, my who I thought would have made the Final Four and who I thought would have won the national championship. But right before I got started, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a shot at the dark and shoot a, a shot in the dark here and shoot Doug Gottlieb a, a text and see if he wants to you know, hop on the pod and, and chat with me. So I shoot him a text. 30 seconds later, he says, sure. So boom, I call him up. And, you know, of course, you know, Doug, you get Doug and I going and we can't stop. We went for an hour. And, you know, listen, Doug Gottlieb knows basketball, period. He is still, I mean, he is super smart. College basketball is, it like, that guy is an expert. And, you know, he played at Okie State, played at Notre Dame. He now is in the 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 media world. He hosted Doug Gottlieb show on Fox sports radio. He hosted the all ball podcast as well. Um, this was a blast. Of course we go off of some tangents, but if you like college basketball, you're really going to enjoy this. So here we go. Without further ado, let's get to it. Here is my podcast chat with Doug Gottlieb. Well, he's Doug Gottlieb, former Notre Dame and Okie state point guard. He finished 10th all time in assists with 947 no. dimes. Is that no. not true? Has it already been broken? No, seventh when I finished. It's eleventh now. Oh, you're out really of the sad. Top 10? Once you follow the top ten. Yeah. And you know, had it not been for Notre Dame, <laughs> you know, had not been for Notre Dame, I would have finished. I, you know, if I could have just gotten more games in, I could have, could have, I could have set the all-time record. I could have beaten Hurley's record. Well, here, I have to okay. imagine it's got Desmond Mason had to have tricked off a couple of lobs, a couple of dimes. Like there, you uh, I do not blame Desmond. I blame <laughs> okay. Brian. Mont- I, have a, I have a friend named Brian Montnati. Okay. Um, I'll have him listen to this podcast, and he can attest to this. Uh, the Big 12 tournament, my junior year or something, we uh, – maybe my senior year. I don't know. One of, these, one of those years, we had to play – I think it was junior. We had to play Baylor on a um, – we had to play Baylor on Thursday, right? Because Big 12 Thursday used to be the non-top four seeds yep. or whatever. Maybe it, was, maybe it was my – yeah, maybe it was my junior year. I can't remember. Anyway – um, I set the, the single game mark at 14, but he blew seriously like three layups and he, he blew them all when I had, I had like 13 and everybody knew I had 13 and coach was like, we'll let you get 14 and get the hell out of the game. But cause uh, Joe Adkins, the other point guard had sprained his ankle. So I got to play as kind of much as I wanted anyway. Um, so yeah, so I mean, he's responsible, responsible, but like, you know how it works with assists, like guy jumps up and knocks down a jump shot, you know, and drive and kick. You can't really be mad at him when he blows a wide open lamp if yes. he makes up for you, you know, making right, a jump right. shot. It all evens out. The basketball gods have a way of evening all that out. What was I your, what, what was your favorite yeah. assist? Like, are you a are you a transition like lob guy? Like, what was your favorite type of assist to get way deep into it? Well, you play at Kansas, right? So you should know. <laughs> um, I had two in the the last time we played Kansas. Yep, we played in the Big Twelve tournament, and it was Heinrich. And um, Gooden and Boshi, probably. Uh, Jeff who, who else was that? Oh, Heinrich and Collison were freshmen. Yep. 
so we kicked the sh- kicked the crap out of him. Yeah, you can cuss. It's um, all good. Yeah, we kicked the shit out at our <laughs> place. So we we lost on like a controversial call in overtime at their place. My junior year, we only played him once back then, and then we played him in the Big Twelve tournament, and we had messed around and finished in fifth. So we had to play four in four days, and they had like we and and it wasn't just four in four days. Like we had to play Baylor, who was a joke. But we didn't have I we I didn't have a sub, so I played the whole game. Then the second game we played, um, I'm gonna say OU, who okay. had beaten us twice. So you play your arch rival, who had beaten you twice. We beat them. Then we played Texas, who had won the league. That was Rick Barnes' first year in the league, and they won, they had won the league. And then we played Kansas, you know, and they had played like Nebraska, who sucked. Yeah. Kansas State, who sucked, and then played us, and you know they're playing like at home in Kemper. So anyway, so they beat us twice and they, they, we scored like 37, I think it's like 53, 37 was the final score in the big 12 championship game. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um, so my senior year, we played him twice and we were up 40 and we were in delay game what? early in the second half. We beat him by like 33. It was Roy Williams worst loss in his career. And then we played him again in the big 12 tournament and we beat him 19, but I threw two. One was like a mid-court, one was like a three-quarter court alley-oop to Desmond Mason. I used to love that shit. You right, know? Like, right. I couldn't throw the ball into the net from the free throw line. <laughs> but you but could, I could put, put it on it, the money. I could put it right on the yeah. dime from like three-quarter court to an alley-oop, which <laughs> is actually way more difficult, but yes. you know, requires less thinking. So I would say those. Um, he had a game my sophomore year. We played Texas, and if we won it, we won the Big 12 South. And it was at our place. We had lost him at their place. They had... They had a, a stack squad. It was the Penders last year. They actually came back and beat us in the Big 12 tournament. They had like Chico Vasquez, Chris Mim, Luke Axtell. Yeah. Whatever happened to I whatever know. happened to fucking Luke Axtell? He was a baller for a minute. Baller. Transferred to Kansas, but lost two years of eligibility because yes. of the, the stupid rule. Right. 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 Anyway. Anyway. I mean, stake my back. Yeah, dude, this is great. So, this is what I love about you. People need to know that I called you. Like, I called you five minutes. I texted you five minutes ago. I said, "You want to come on?" He said, "Sure." Yeah. So, to give people like a little bit of understanding of what's going on here. Okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like we're quarantined here, and I'm. Yeah. I've been. I've cooked more for my family now than probably, and I love cooking. Yeah, good, but my <laughs> wife's like, "No more steak." That's all I'm, I can I might cook. as well be in the Midwest right now because I, I bought a bunch of meat when everybody's freaking out. Speaking my language, I froze man. it. Yes. And so I got ribeyes tonight that kid, I've been picking on as I'm as I'm cooking. Well, anyway, well, to eat so, and talk uh, and do it all. Continue. So we so we played Texas at Oklahoma State. I got to send you this tape. That motherfucker had six dunks, and everyone was better than the next. Really? He caught one. Yeah. I mean, a couple were just like drive and dish, and he was playing. We played small before anybody else played small. He was our four man when I when I got there. His sophomore, both of our sophomore years. And we should have played super small like people do now, mm-hmm. and we would have beaten everybody my junior year. But anyway, um, he had he hated Texas because they didn't. I don't think they offered him, and they'd beaten us and talked all kinds of crap to him, or whatever. And so he had, but he had one where I don't know if I gave it to him or I think he caught like a full court pass from Adrian Peterson, who was our best player as a junior. But he had one where it was like a length of the court pass. And it bounced when he like let it bounce and like caught it and reversed it. And I was oh like, God, I remember, I remember watching the tape and I was watching the tape with like some non basketball buddies and we call, but non basketball guys, civilians. Yeah. Okay. You know, like guys that don't know shit. And I was like, I don't think you civilians know how fucking hard that was. <laughs> yeah. Like that dude timed it out. So it bounced. I believe this is my honest belief. He played 10 years in the NBA. 
I think he could have been the greatest wide receiver in the history of the sport because I mean, he had gigantic hands. Right. He was super like Des Bryant competitive for any ball up in the air. Um, he laterally was explosive. You know, he could, I mean, 40 time was probably in the four fours and he's legit six, six with big, strong hands and tough as hell. Like that guy was great anyway. Right. So, uh, that was, I don't know if I had a favorite one to him, you know, I just loved to, I, my favorite thing was like, you play with guys long enough where you just look at them and they look at you and they know to, to go for it. Right. And you just throw it to the rim and they go get it. Right. And, and between him and Adrian Peterson, I just kind of had that, um, you know, just, and then shooters just, you know, they know instinctively where they're supposed to be. This is, this is before the day and age of, you know, practicing, you know, driving to the baseline, kicking the weak side corner. We just did that kind of instinctually and guys always knew to kind of get to their spot, get their hands up. Honestly, like, and this is, this is a lot of humble bragging. The best thing I did was not throw lobs or find people. Um, and I don't know if you've, if, were you there with Aaron Miles? Yeah. Okay. So Aaron, frankly, holds the Big 12 record. Now yeah. he played four years in the Big 12. I played three. So I have more career assists than he does. He was a great player. Yeah. And I don't know if he could do this. You could tell me. Um, I could throw it to a guy where he'd catch it always on the seams. Right. And that, to me, is the hardest thing to do. It's like to always get it to no matter what you're doing, you throw it so they get it on the seams. And right. that was that was like my... That was my gift that, was, that yeah. no one else, that that I felt like no one else could do. Yeah, and that's that's a real thing. Like, there's some guys that can, uh, there's some dudes that can see it, and and know where they're trying to get it. But if the ball's not where it needs to be, that's the difference between getting the shot off or making and missing the shot. And yeah, I remember Aaron as being a guy who was just really solid. Like, yeah, always made the right play. Tough, smart. I don't remember him being super creative. Yeah, he now, was the super the super creative stuff that like Jay, Jason Williams yeah. did. Like, no, he wasn't like chocolate. that. He wasn't like that. But yeah, but he wasn't. But Jason Williams wasn't as I don't think as solid a passer as Aaron is. Like right, like everybody goes ooh and ah when you throw throw a nutmeg a guy throw it through his legs. Whatever. Right. But you know it's way way better when you throw ten good passes than two great passes. Right. Yes. yes. So I'm not trying to disrespect Aaron. No. I just I don't remember him having the. Oh shit! He's creating shots for other people. Yeah, it was really he just he it was it was real simple. But he what he was really good at was, you know, in the secondary break, being able to play fast, go north and south, and be under control, yep. and hit the trailer or hit the you know hit the guy ducking in, Simeon ducking in right the right. Like it was all just like rock solid stuff. Like he was he was my he's the best teammate I ever had. Was was my, really? he Oh, he's a great guy. I mean, just as a teammate or just player. He's best a teammate. Best player I ever played with was probably Keith Langford. I like Simeon was our guy, but I thought Langford was our best player. Like yeah. Keith, Keith was really, really good. And he, to me, it's a shame not to go. To, like I don't know how his name. Like I think what Cole Aldrich's name is hung in Allen Fieldhouse and Keith. Really? Name? Yeah. I'm like, what? You know? It's like you gotta why? be kidding me. You know? I um, love. I like Cole a lot, but why? I know. I don't. I don't. I don't quite. I don't quite. Even you know, Marcus and Marquis. Marcus Morris was a baller, but I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I thought. I mean, Keith Langford's hell of a player, but yeah, I would say Keith or or Nate Funk. There was, Nate Funk at Creighton was a really good player. He was a uh, he was really he was good a good player. Yes, we could we could go deep on our Creighton knowledge just because we played CU. <laughs> yeah, my my sophomore year, they came in and we busted their ass. <laughs> we were watching we were watching the tape, and the way our coaches used to do it was they would you know, like you'd get a sky report like a um, 
uh, Rodney Buford, and they'd be like, "This motherfucker's gonna come in <laughs> and laugh at you, motherfuckers." He look at look at this jump shot. Right. Look at how pretty that is. Look at this guy. They run everything for him. He's so smart. He's so tough. Man, do we do we miss not offering this guy? Right. Like they would just completely crap all over us, and our guys would get, and it would work every time. Our guys would get so mad. They so. So we showed some tape of of Creighton playing before we played him, and it was at home in the old. It's called, was it called the Civic? Civic, Civic correct. Called? Yep. In the Civic, and like he was getting buckets, and the crowd was going Rodney Buford, <laughs> Rodney Buford, and we were we were fu- we were fucking with the wings who were going to guard him. Adrian Peterson were like, dude, they were chanting your name. They don't ever chant your name in Gallagher. Right. They don't chant your name. And we 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 beat their ass pretty. We were real. That was my again. That was my sophomore year, and we were supposed to be bad. And what's crazy about it is we got a shitty seed because supposedly we didn't play anybody, right? Right. And we played Creighton, who ended up being really good. Mm-hmm. And we played Washington, who Washington went to the Elite Eight or Sweet Sixteen. They lost in that crazy shot but to UConn. Okay. Yeah. Right. And they had like Dan Dickow. They had yep. Mount McCullough. They had a they had they had a squad, and. We played Arizona State, who was good, but playing an interim coach because you know they're doing Arizona State always does. Anyway, uh, we played TCU with Lee Nalon and those guys. We beat them at their place, and I remember getting an eight team like, dude, all these teams we beat are good. <laughs> we, we, we tried to have a shitty schedule, right? But we didn't. Uh, anyway, um, and then we go up there my junior year, and we're in a bad place. Like we were top five preseason, and we had lost to use. We had lost to Florida Atlantic. We came back from Hawaii. And we were like five and zero, ranked like fourth or fifth in the country. And we had Glenn Alexander, who was Mr. Basketball in the state of Texas, was sitting out, about to be eligible in a couple games. And um, they had they they went five five out at five small on us. And like coach refused to play zone, and we ended up getting beat on some crazy stuff, like a last second shot. Ooh. So and th- and we had an eighty one game non conference. So then we go to UCLA, and I get thrown out of the UCLA game for two technicals. <laughs> So I was in a doghouse. The team was in a funk. We were underachieving. We come into the Civic, and they like uh, my dad came back, and they recognized like one of Coach's great teams. Oh boy, a Coach's best team, and we made it close. But I was just a mental mess. I remember I threw an alley oop like so far in the stands, like all my guys were, <laughs> all my teammates were clowning me. They're like, "What? In the what were you that? looking at, Doug?" Yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. So, uh, and that was Ryan Sears was probably a sophomore maybe Probably. maybe a junior i mean he was good but you know and i know he was perfect for dana and he's like oh. dana's all-time favorite player oh like he would he would leave his wife for ryan sears <laughs> yeah <laughs> he yes. loved him some and, i do wonder where Peyton I, just, I just remember like the last time he's like Creighton, like they beat us i was like uh you felt so, you felt like you really needed to shower after that one that one didn't feel good to you that one that was no not, yeah. and then i mean honestly it was so bad we flew to, here's how bad it was we used to have, um, we had three planes that we fly with. Okay. Before the plane crash, we had like these booster planes we fly on. And coach was so mad after that game. The next day we were flying to Vegas, and the the final plane was like a plane of like a couple walk ons and like who got to go on one trip a year, and they got to pick their trip and they picked Vegas. You know. Of course. He sent them home. He sent that plane home. Why? He's like, you send that plane home. We don't need extra guys to watch us lose the big. <laughs> like my boy Rodney Suter is my roommate. I was like, 
I called him. I'm like, where are you guys? He's like, we got sent home. Like, what are you talking about? You guys were just at the Creighton game last night. Like, no, coach got mad. He said, I'm playing home. Oh no. True story. Oh, no, you we're going down memory lane here. There was uh, you are you always hold a special place in my dad's heart because you called you called two of my games. You called uh, Missouri State at Creighton in Omaha my junior year. And okay. then you called when we played at Northern Iowa my senior year. And yeah, we, we went on a little flurry late and I, I hit like I had a little backdoor cut layup and then I hit a three that was kind of to seal it. And you like as as it left my hands, you said dagger. And my dad thought that was like to this day. He's like, you tell Doug, you tell Doug. I always appreciated that dagger call because you you called it. I I, I knocked down a three that kind of sealed the game. You called it. A, uh, you called it in the moment. So like you just know that like if you ever come to Nebraska and you need like if you need Rich Baugh to buy you a drink, he will buy you a ribeye yeah. and a drink. Okay. I like that. I'm in. I'm in. I, I got to come out this summer. I got to. Yeah, you got to come out there. Man. Finally, I did I feel bad. We were. I mean, you know, how Dana is. We played like ten guys. We were line shifting, and oh, we sub. So I felt bad. Like I know how that is calling a game. I'm like, oh Jesus, you had to prepare for like eleven guys that have been. That's dis- now. Did you guys have names in the back of your shirts? We did. Thank God. Yeah. We did. See, that's good. Yeah. If you, have, if you don't have, you can do the line shifting, but you have to have names. You, you do both. Like no names on the back of your shirts, and you're doing the line shifting. That's cruel. And <laughs> that's not good. That is not good. I get, here's my here's my favorite Mo Valley story. Okay. Okay. Greg Marshall's first year at Wichita State. We go and do a game at uh, at Missouri State. Okay. And Missouri State's not great, but they're much better than Wichita. You know, like like when Turge left, it was he was really good, and then it was yeah they were just you know, okay for a little bit. Yeah, they were just okay. So. Greg, I had known for a long time because when he was at Winthrop, he kept winning. And like he's like, hey, can you help me get a job? I was like, I'd love to. I'm, you know, I'd pump him up, go on my radio show, right. get him on College Basketball Live, all this other stuff. Anyway, so Greg comes over for the game. He goes, hey, look, I'm not going to make this any worse on you than it has to. I was like, no, Greg, it's fine, dude. We're doing the game, blah, blah, blah. So it was like a – it was some random 6 o'clock start. And – we were joking around. I was like, you know, there's a flight out tonight, you know? And he goes, what time? I was like, I don't know. Like eight oh, we'll get to no problem. He literally, he did not, they were down 15. Most of the second half, he never called a timeout. And he's like sitting over there what? winking at us. Like when it was so obvious, the other team would hit like three shots. <laughs> right. Missouri state would score like three shots in a row. And he's like, fuck it. It's my first year. I got a long time deal. Who cares? You wow. know, like this is Greg Marshall who is wound so super tight. I was going to say, right? He, uh, I've heard he's, I don't, I've, I, I've obviously I've, he's coached against, you know, teams that I've played against, but I've never called a Wichita game or I don't really know him personally, but everything I hear about him, his homeboy is wound tight. Now I will tell you, first of all, I think he's a, and I don't know what's going on there yeah. with them losing half their team. To Exodus. Jesus. Um, I mean, I see it's actually a really good conversation to have with you because we understand the different levels in college basketball and, you know, fans don't really get it. And they're like, we're better off without the Missouri Valley. And right. There's some good, there's some bad. There's I look, I think he's a great coach. Uh, he is wound super tight. I I've only heard he's tough to work for doing a game for he's awesome. Okay. He'll tell you anything you want. Um, he, I mean, like when, when they went on that final four run, I called their first two games when they beat Pitt, they kicked Pitt's ass. Yep. And then they beat Gonzaga um, and they hit like 14 threes, but 
I mean, his team was really, and he was, but he was, I mean, he's always been great to me to call a game. I, I think, I think Marshall's deal is just, you know, around him all the time. And it's one of those things where, you know, I think, you know, you get a guy to say, you give him $3 million and right. his own personal expectations match yours. But, you know, there's a frustration in the reality of it's hard. You know? Yes. I mean, it's, it's hard to keep it going consistently. And then you throw in that you are still at Wichita state. Right. And no matter how, how it looks like Gonzaga is able to do it. Like Gonzaga had some weird years there, you know, in the middle as well. They, they didn't for a long time, they had that invisible ceiling. So I think there's some frustration there. I think I'm sure he probably turns on the TV and watches the big boys that he could have coached at a number, number of them and decided not to. Um, I'm sure you know, like the American athletic conference is one of those leagues where, Good schools, a lot of really invested athletic departments, but it's just a mishmash of mixed match parts. Yes. It's not a league. No. And they, all the coaches, they'll never say it publicly. They tell us they fucking hate it because it's like, look, you know, how are you going to get it? You know, okay, Cincinnati's good. Come see us play Cincinnati. But there's no tie to get to go to see Wichita play Cincinnati. Whereas what, what everybody in sports seemed to forget is that the main reason people go when K-State played Missouri is because they played for 100 years, right. you know? And in the Missouri Valley, those teams have played against each other for, you know, I know it's it's waxed and waned, but they played against each other for 30 years. And so all those, you know, blue-haired old folks, that those are the people that go to those games, in addition to the students, you know, they want to they, they see the same schools that they've seen their whole lives. And the students want to see students, you know, a team – represented from a place that they know that they've been a part of. And unless it's number one ranked UConn, like, dude, are you really going to a Tulane Wichita State game? Right. Are you going to an East Carolina? No. No. And then imagine that and then the travel sucks. You know, you gotta get on a plane and connect or plane and charter to everywhere you go. So anyway, um No, you're right I, though. I'm sure that's I mean that's that's part of it. it yeah, I mean I think I mean, first of all, like you talk about how it's tough. I mean, look at North Carolina's season this year. It's like some people think just because it's like nothing's given in this thing, you know, like that's where Bill Self's consistency is and and what he's built is just, I mean, I know I played for the guy, but it's just like to 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 reload and deliver every year is really hard. I don't care where you're at. And the, you know, the conference realignment thing, I mean, I think I, I'm seeing it here firsthand with Nebraska in particular for football. You know, it's taken it's taken a while for Husker fans, football fans. They got excited when when Kansas football would come to town because they played for, like you said, a hundred years. It's hard to get as fired up when you know Indiana comes to town, and that stuff that stuff matters in in the grand scheme. It's worked out well for Creighton, you know, just because when you're in the Missouri, when you're when you go from the Valley to the Big East, and you know, instead of Evansville coming to town, Georgetown's coming to town. Like that's a that's a clear step up and so it's worked out well for Creighton in that regard but it's yeah it there's a lot of moving parts to to the conference realignment it, it, stuff. it has it has but I mean I mean look I think Creighton's selling out regardless of what league they're in yes I agree I mean it's just it's very fortunate with the growth of that city with the growth with with how Greg plays with the arena the whole thing kind of works I'll tell you this in Nebraska and you know, I don't think they're ever going to, I don't know if they'll ever get back to where they were, but I don't think they have any shot getting out of the big 12. And it was, it was, there was two parts of the big 12 that helped Nebraska. One, 
they were more invested in football than anybody outside of OU in Texas. Yep. And that matters. That matters. Your a level ton. of investment. Whereas now in the Big Ten, fucking everybody's all in. Mm-hmm. Everybody's all in on being good. You know, and and the you know and 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 as much as you can sit there and go, well, there's no dominant team in the in the Big Big Ten West. Like, okay, but. I was I was got a dude that's been there twenty years and they're a machine. Yeah, this Wisconsin thing is a machine, yes. right? And they're yes. all and they're all throwing tons of money at facilities and coaches. I mean, hell, I mean, Jim Leonard could be a head coach in the NFL and he's the D coordinator <laughs> at, at at Wisconsin, right? You know, and and yes, Minnesota's still Minnesota, but hell, PJ Flex pretty good, knows yeah, what he's doing a little no bit. Doubt. Like there's there's no great teams, but there's no. T- <laughs> excuse me there's no terrible teams and whereas when he was when they were in the big 12 <laughs> like you got iowa state now kansas state's back to being mortal you know yeah you would get <clears throat> back when baylor sucked you, you know, got layups i mean you got you layups couple, texas texas tech now you get a couple of layups yeah. and and you're playing against texas schools half the year which opens up texas easier to recruiting right so <clears throat> in one fail swoop in an in, a, in an effort which and i think look the Big Ten's the best, right? It, it's like they're like uh, like uh, royalty in terms of major conferences because they combine both, right? They have these wonderful academic institutions and great sports. And whether it's basketball or football, they're all like regal. They all have these great fight songs and helmets and uniforms and they're, you know, big old, you know, cornfed Midwesterners and great skill position. All that's great. But you know what? When you're in the Big 12, especially now, like you get Kansas every year. You get K-State. You get Iowa State. You get Texas Tech. Like, dude, you if you win three of your four non-conference, you got seven already. Right. Whereas you're in the Big 10, and now you're fighting for every damn game against universities that are also super invested. And now you're also not playing in Texas. So it, it makes it harder. Yes. So I, I think it hurt them, too. Uh, you know, I, no, you're I, spot on. I, yeah. You no, you're a totally spot. I mean, and even like the the quote unquote layups that were kind of there for a little bit were Illinois and Purdue. Well, Illinois is yeah. coached by Lovey Smith, yeah. coached in the NFL, had a lot of success. Purdue's yeah. got a guy in Jeff Brom who I mean, everybody wanted him for a little bit there. Like you're totally right. You're spot on in 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 kind of how how everything's the landscape around Nebraska's changed a lot, and and it's like yes. everything that is everything that's altered is working against Nebraska, not for it now. And, and I, it's that's a, it's a, a great point. It's like look, they used to get kids out of Jersey, right? Yeah. But that was before that was before the Big East teams started playing football, and not that it means that Nebraska can't go in and get kids. But there's just more competition, so you're back further in the pecking order, you know. And you know who are you? You're, you're recruiting generally, generally in football, right? You're recruiting whoever your local area is. We know the issues in Nebraska and the local areas. Yeah, 500 um, mile radius. Yeah. And then you're and then you recruit. Where do you have? Who do you play nationally? Right. Like there's a reason that Notre Dame plays Stanford. USC, right. one of the Florida schools because they're right. ACC, right? Yep. One of the Virginia, either Virginia or Virginia Tech every year, and then they've played, been playing Texas. Right. Like, they're not idiots there. They do it for one reason. It's called recruiting. It's the only way to do it. Amen. Kids want to play somewhere where they're like, oh, I one, I've seen you play on TV locally, and then two, you're going to bring me home so my, my family can do it. Right? And where's Notre Dame recruit from? Northern California, Southern California, Texas, Florida. Virginia Beach, right? Those are the main, and of course the Midwest where they're, where they're already big. Where Nebraska, it's just really hard when you're like, 
all right, we already got the big 10, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we got the big 10 and, and okay, where else are we going to play? We're trying to recruit, you know, if you schedule too crazy out of conference, you get killed. So it's a hard deal. It, it really is. Deal. It re- So, okay. So I, I wanted to, cause I was going to, I, I had all this stuff typed up for a college basketball season recap here because, you know, the rug gets pulled out from everybody with the NCAA tournament, you know, yeah. right at our doorstep. What I wrote down, Doug was, I wrote down kind of 10 things that define this season. I got my first team, all American team. I got my player of the year, coach of the year. I'm going to have what my final four picks would have been. And then who I think would have okay. ultimately won it. I want you to just react. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So number the number one thing I, I wrote down just because I think it's he only played in three games, but I think James Wiseman and Memphis getting caught up in the wrath of of the NCAA. I mean, Memphis was a preseason top ten to fifteen team. There's some people that thought they were a dark horse Final Four team. They had the number one recruiting class. Wiseman was a projected top five pick. I mean, you could make a case he was going to be the best player in the country, and he only plays three games. Like, I think that's a significant thing that you. I know it was only you know a, a few weeks in November, but that matters because that could have been an interesting team to track. Hmm. Um. I would make the statement a bigger one. I would be, I would, the statement I would make was the all time blah recruiting class or something, you know, like yeah. the, okay. the, 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 the freshman rankings, but, but rankings mean like rank, like stinks. Right. Cause, cause a couple of them went and played in Australia. Right. Yeah. Um, Cole Anthony was good. Then. Okay. Then got hurt then was all over the map, you know, Wiseman, um, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, like, as much as there was a couple of really good freshmen, the fact is, in comparison to Zion, comparison to Zion, anything's a letdown. <laughs> but the entirety of, I mean, last year's freshman class, R.J. Barrett was really fun. It was was an interesting sure, watch. There sure. were other freshmen worth watching. Whereas this year, it was really, um, it was it was very blah. You know, I mean, even Kentucky. They played one freshman was in their starting lineup. Right, Tyrese Maxey was solid, uh, I guess you know, but who he wasn't spectacular. So I agree with you on Wiseman on on it being weird. I would have liked to seen if Memphis made the tournament. It's it's such a it's one of those things where it's probably the best thing for them right is that we didn't have the tournament because then they either go to the NIT and it's kind of embarrassing, or they go to the NCAA tournament and get beat and it's kind of embarrassing. Um, I'm not actually sure that the season ending shortly. And the last part about this story was um, I thought I just find it interesting that while we can dispute whether or not, you know, paying back all that stuff over a three year period, which I think Wiseman had to is a smart ruling by the NCAA or, or whatever. Uh, But that's a legal recruitment. Like no one ever mentioned Penny was his high school coach. Right. Mm -hmm, Mm Mm-hmm. And he moved the family down in high school. Like that's illegal recruiting in high school. And if you're okay with it in college, then that means you must've been okay with it in high school. Like when does it stop? Right. Is, is, I guess is my question. So, and I have no animus towards Penny. I think sure. he's, I, I actually think he's a gr- the great, a, a great dude having hung out with him a little bit. Uh, back when he was just hanging out around the Memphis program, this is like eight, nine years ago. I, I found him to be really interesting and totally into hoop. Um, I just, that story is, there's so much Memphis to it. Like, um, and I, I, the ice, the high school angle, no one ever seems to talk about. Right. Right. No, I I totally agree. 
Hey, quick break to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors. And while everybody is social distancing right now and self-quarantining themselves inside their own homes, you have a lot of time to sit and stare out your window. And as you're doing that, you've probably looked and go, ugh, my, my windows are kind of ugh. Or you, you, you sit and you look at your, your front door, your back door, and you, you fantasize about what it would be like to really venture outside. And you kind of go, ugh, my front door, my back door, that's not very good. Well, if, you, if that describes your thoughts right now as you're self-quarantining, then you need to holler at, at Pella because we all know, listen, a great front door, great back door, great set of windows can really make a statement, change how your home looks, how it feels, and how it operates. You know, It can make your home more energy efficient, and there are a couple of different ways you can go if you want to get started. You can go out to their showroom. Uh, man, that, that gives you another layer of understanding exactly what you're going to be installing into your home. You can actually feel a window, feel the door, open it, close it. Or you can schedule an, a free in-home consultation where you're going to get an expert to come take a look, get a game plan for you. And, uh, man, whatever you want, man, wood, fiberglass, vinyl, Pella's going to find a solution to fit any home at all. Other thing, good thing with Pella, uh, I had no idea this was the case, but you, you go with some other window and door companies and questions pop up like who's going to pre-finish it, who's installing it, who's doing this, who's doing that. Before you know it, you're dealing with like four or five different people. That sounds like a massive headache. You want the convenience and simplicity of working with one company, not three or four. That's what you get with Pella, man. They're, they're fantastic. So give them a call, 402-493-1350. That's 493-1350. Check them out on the web, PellaOmaha.com. Back to Doug Gottlieb. I want to lean on you because, you know, I would follow you on Twitter and and you were really high on this team all year and rightfully so. So I want to really kind yeah. of get your thoughts. I mean, San Diego State almost ran the table, man. Yes. I mean, and... I don't care. I just have enough respect for what it takes to, you know, lace them up and compete and win. And they started the season 26 and 0. I don't care yeah. if you're in the Mountain West or you're in the ACC. That is really impressive. To me, their season is, I mean, it's probably one of the, you know, top two or three storylines, but certainly is in the top 10. Yeah, no, they did lose their last game to, right, Utah, State. to Utah State. So it's like, you know, it does, it is a bummer. Uh, they were good. They were good. I mean, the, the, the big thing for San Diego State in the year in the the, the last couple of years of Steve Fisher and the first couple of years of Brian Dutcher, remember before this year, his first two years, they had not been good. It's not. And um, anyway, so Malachi Flynn was there, became their go-to guy. He's their point guard. He can pass, but he was just, he was running a heater for like the first <laughs> two thirds of the season. Yeah, it was he's crazy. out of his mind. You know, he had like one or two bad games. Outside of that, I mean, I did a game against Colorado State, and, you know, first half they're struggling. Boom, boom, boom. He hits three threes. It's like, all right, they're not struggling anymore. Right. Um, so he was terrific. And then, I, you know, I thought that there was a couple other parts to them that made him great. A kid named Matt Mitchell who was, um, you know, kind of wanted to be there like Draymond with a little bit more offense. His first couple of years, he lost 25, 30 pounds in the offseason. And so they, they, and they, and they brought him off the bench. And so they would play smaller when he come off the bench and he was, he was terrific. One he was playing fewer minutes and, uh, and he could, he could get his own shot and then he was in better shape. So I thought he was great. Now they, they were without, um, their starting center for like the last, since like January 1st, I think, cause I did their game the first of January and the starting center didn't didn't play from then forward and he was shop locker athlete um and uh nathan mensa and um he he there was like a lot of 
cloud of mystery over whether or not he played. But remember, they played the Mountain West tournament earlier. So I think he would have come back and played. If they had him, you had two big guys. The other big guy was a big uh, New Zealand kid uh, transferred from Vanderbilt. He's like a great tennis player. Started in Division Three basketball, then went to Vanderbilt. And then after the coaching change, he goes to San Diego State. I mean, they were good, man. They had They were like eight, nine deep. And could really, unlike San Diego State teams in the last couple of years, could really score. They could play big. They could play small. I don't think they were as good at the end of the year. Uh, and I, it was hard to tell because they didn't have Mensu. But I, I don't, you know, like I saw Kentucky up close. I thought they were pretty damn good. Yeah. You know, like the, right. the big boys were are the yeah. big boys. Like Kansas became really good. Like I don't know if they were, could, could they have beaten one of those teams? Yes. To maybe get to the final four, could they have beaten three of those teams to win the whole thing? I don't believe so. So you bring up Kansas, so we'll go there. Uh, I mean, it, you got to you got to tip your cap. I mean, Kansas navigating all the distractions. I mean, let's be honest it's it's the sky is falling with everything around Allen Fieldhouse right now. Right. And for right. for Bill Self to be able to to get those guys to lock in, be focused. And you know they they get they get their ass kicked by Baylor and Allen Fieldhouse, and then yeah. they rebounded and became to me what was the clear cut best team in the country. And Bill Self wins another Big Twelve title. I thought it was uh it was it was another really impressive season in Lawrence. Yeah, it was awesome, and it was kind of typical Bill Self. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, I'm gonna try and play two big guys. Then you know, no, uh, uh, you know, like he figured it out, yeah, changed his lineup, playing younger players. Got more shooting into the game. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I had this, Bill's been great to me. And so, you know, I, I have, you know, I, I send texts to coaches, which are, un, you know, guys don't, some guys don't, don't dig. Like you're like, you see some on TV, like, Hey man, I thought I saw this anyway. Right. Before Silvio got in the fight, I was like, why don't you ever play Silvio at the five? You know, and, and Bill, Bill thinks, as you know, everybody's soft. Every player's soft. <laughs> they, you know, yeah. These guys are too soft. Whatever. He's like, oh, we're already soft. That'd make us so soft. I was like, yeah, but you'd really open up the floor. Like, really, really open it up. He never went to that. Obviously, Silvio getting suspended. Yeah. But going to four out, one in. And I thought, you know, look, a lot of times you give coaches credit. We, I, I don't do a good enough job, I think, sometimes giving a player for just improving credit. You don't get a bouquet. Yeah. If you watch how Kansas played, like – he went from being just a complete stiff shot blocker, big guy two years ago when Villanova embarrassed them in the final four to, he could really move switch on ball screens or at least cover. And you know, that's so hard to play against when you have a guy, a giant that big who can move that well. Yeah. They were great. They were good defensively. They had a good point guard. They found an, I, I don't know if they had enough shooting to win all six games, but they had a they have a big guy who can legit score. They had just enough depth, and yeah, I think Bill's a mar- marvelous coach. So I'm I'm with you. That was they I, were the they were the they were playing the best yep. basketball. I just my, the shooting was the only thing that gave me a little little pause. I just I, I admire that Coach Self has evolved. Like he he's not his you know when I played for him it was straight up two game high low. You know, not over. You know, swing it, swing it, swing it. And now, you know, he's gone to more four round one stuff. But he hasn't. He is an inside out coach. Like he needs a great big on the block. Everything starts there. And I just think it's cool to like that he's he's evolved without changing his stripes too much. And I that's that's hard to do in in this in this day and age. Yeah, I I would I would agree. Um, 
I would agree. And it's, it's always interesting that, you know, how he, he figures it out too. Yeah, I just, it, I find Bill to be the best uh, of all checking all the boxes of a modern day coach, right? Yep. Like the ability to relate to anybody. Like nobody walks away with Bill self and going like, what a jerk. No, nobody says that. No. Right. And you're just like, he's the best. And then he can really coach and he'll coach guys hard. I think he's good, really good at in-game adjustments. Um, he's not scared of, you know, going to a triangle and two or a boxing one or junking it up or, you know, trying, trying something, you know, he's good with the media. He's honest with guys about playing time. And I don't know. I think he's, he, he's the, and people ask me all the time, like, if you're going to send your kid to play for somebody, I was like, you know, I don't know if my son's tough enough, but if he was, <laughs> I'd play for Bill. Yeah. I, you're preaching the choir. I mean, I haven't, I mean, I transferred away from him and it was hard, man. It was really, really tough because I love that dude. But I saw, I saw Mario Chalmers and Brandon Rush coming in. I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm not, not as good as those guys, Doug. Yeah, I'm writing on the wall. No, you, <laughs> you know, know it is. Sometimes you got to look in the mirror. You got to look in the mirror and be real with hey, what's I, looking back I, at this you, man. Is, I remember when I, I mean, you know, I, when I was, I told the story to Brevin Knight. I was at, uh, I was in high school. I'll never forget. Was, I went to Tustin High School, and uh, I got a call one day from Mike Montgomery at Stanford, and he had, uh, I can't remember, it was Jeff Johnson or John Johnson or something, was like his assistant. Really nice black guy. So Coach uh, Monty calls me, and then he puts the assistant on the phone, and we talk a little bit, and then he, puts, he gets back on the phone, and he's like, well, what's your biggest concern in Stanford? I go, well, you know, academically, if I get in, like, I just, I want to play. I want right. to, like, well, you know, you back up like Brevin Knight for two years, play some with him, and then you'd start for two years. And I, I might as well have just hung up right then. Like, I was like, <laughs> no thanks. Yeah. Cause that's the way, as you know, that's yes. the way it always used to be done, which is like, you get basically a two year window. Like, yep. That's how it was. A junior and a freshman. Yep. And, you know, if you're bringing in the freshman, is he good enough to beat out the junior? And he, he's like, no way. And now I look at the time, I had no idea who Brevin Knight was. Sure. I don't give a shit, but yeah, I, I, I get it. Right. Or you, or you see somebody, I was in the CBA and I saw Randy Livingston walking in and I was like, oh, I'm oh, getting cut. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. there's another point guard, but Man. I knew I was the one that was going to go. You, you know, it's like, so. everybody, it's so much fun to, to, to have these conversations. Like, and we'll get back into the season here in a second, but like, I, I remember the, you know, you know, when you come out of high school, this is what I tell everybody, everybody kills in high school. Like, if you didn't kill in high school, like, I mean, everybody does. You know, everybody's know, just right? dismantling yes. people. And so, you know, of course, I strut my stuff into Lawrence, Kansas, and I'm like, man, y- y'all don't know. And it's, you know, it's being ridiculous. But I remember the first, very first pickup game I played against Kirk Heinrich. And it was like, I walked off the floor and I was like, I'm not even in the same galaxy as that guy. Like, he was... You you know how coaches uh, this used to drive me nuts. You know how coaches say good players don't get screened. You, you ever heard yeah. you ever, good players yeah. don't get screened. They don't get screened. You're like what are you ta- like what like how do you not get you couldn't screen Kirk Heinrich like he he was like trying to capture smoke or something like you couldn't get him. But that was the that was one of the more eye opening like oh this level is different. I got my work cut out for me here when the first time I I tried to check Kirk Heinrich. Yeah, well I, I it's. I know that I know I, I remember that feeling when you first get to college from high school. Oh, God. oh man. Right. <laughs> you know, we had, we had another point guard. His name was Admore White. And Admore was like the guy I was brought in to, to beat out. He was the junior. And I just remember like everywhere I went, I got screened. And we were like running motion. <laughs> right. just, you know, I was like, are you guys picking on me? Right. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what is, what's it like? Literally, I keep running into people. 
Right. Uh, why am I running? And and again, this is like it, not not only did everybody kill in high school, but everybody thinks they played hard. So oh, I played for amen. a really good high school yeah. coach. He's a really good junior college coach. I thought I I I thought I played hard. And then you get to college, you're like I've never played this hard before. I don't <laughs> Ever? Know why? Right. Right. You're you're like in practice. And you're so tired. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> but you've also everybody thinks they've been screened. Like I have been screened. I guess you know. But then all of a sudden, a guy who's like like 240 to, you know, 235 screens you from behind and you don't see it coming. And like, think you detached all your ribs. Yeah. It's a different deal. So Admiral White was kicking my ass so bad. I walked in. It was like two weeks into my career at Notre Dame. I walk in Fran McCaffrey who's now the coach. I was, was the guy who recruited me and I went, I saw him every day. So I like start crying. like, Fran, I suck. I I suck. I fucking suck. I get screened. I don't know what I'm – yeah, I like – I don't know. I can't guard Admore. He's open all the time. He's like, my man, my man, relax. relax. He's laughing at me just like you are. Relax. Lights go on, popcorn's popping, you'll be fine. Right. You know? Right. So. It, no, you're so right. I remember too, last thing on, the, on the, like the practice stuff, but people got to remember – remember the, the old five-second count on the ball handler? Sure. Man – was there? I always tell people that one of the hardest things to do as a white Big Twelve point guard, inner offense, trying to stay while while people are trying to get open and you're breaking the count with like I remember I had Royal Ivy on me on Big Monday from Texas and Royal Ivy is heating me up and I'm trying to break the count while people are getting open. Breaking the five second count entering offense was like impossible for me in the Big Twelve. It was brutal. Well, you're a white kid from from Nebraska, Lincoln. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. he. Trust me. That was not my my problem. Was not that. My problem, <laughs> I could go. I, they could, the closer they get, the better it was. I'd start to salivate. Hey, that, that Doug, was, if we would have combined I, our games, we might have been yeah. like I could catch and shoot. I know you could I handle know. it and did. We might have been a little something. I know. Something. No, know. I was the best. I was the best. <laughs> come on, come on in here. Come on in. Here. Get close. Bye bye. See, I uh, was. That, I, yeah, that was not my. Nah, that was my, not my issue. But oh. I did. I remember the the old five second count. The there's a there's a bunch of. You know, my thing was always, can I, can I tap, can I back tap a guy? Can I get him to spin and back tap? Yeah, sure. Like what you, and, and you got to do it. You got to see, you know, some, some guys, they, even you get to a college level and they'll, if they're going to spin, they'll switch hands too early. And you're like, you just make them do it once early in the game. You're like, oh shit. Yes. That's a layup. And you know, when you're trying to like, the whole thing is just try and score double figures, right? Just try and get yeah. 10 points and then everything else is, everything else is great. <laughs> so you're trying to, you're tagging points like, okay, I get a lamp here. I get a pick there. I'll get a run through. Yep. You know, like get a couple free throws. We're good. One a game against, against Kansas. When he go to, when Roy Williams would go to that box set, which he still does now. Oh yeah. They go to the box set and it, you bring the bigs up high. Yep. One of the bigs pops out and he screens for the other big and they interchange. And, you know, you get like a center or power forward catching the ball on the court. They're supposed to reverse it for the play. They don't even look. They don't <laughs> You'd even, run they, through it? You'd through. run through the wing? The wing entry? Yeah, did? Got, yeah. Yes. You just, you fake like you're going down. Every yep. time you run through the wing, you're like a layup. And uh, so, you know, you start counting points in your head. Uh, that, that's, when, that's when it gets fun, the old five-second roll. Yeah, that's right. I liked playing teams that played zone. Man, if we saw forty minutes of zone, that was a big game for me, Doug. <laughs> I, I could I could just sit on the wing and just let it rip. That was what I was looking yeah. forward to. Uh, you know, I, I, a couple other things. We'll get to the All Americans and and and, and we'll get out of here. I, okay. M- Michigan State 
had a really interesting year, but much like Bill Self, Tom Izzo seems to always press the right buttons, and ultimately when it comes to March, he's got his group playing great. I mean, they were the preseason number one ranked team. Uh, you know, the, everybody thought they were going to kind of just be a buzzsaw. I think Langford being hurt ended up derailing them because they felt like they were a, a guard and third score short of time. But, you know, they, they had their struggles. Cassius Winston had the heartbreaking thing with the you know death of his brother. They had to navigate all that stuff. And then wing, bang, boom, they end up winning, uh, uh, getting a share of the Big Ten regular season title. I thought Michigan State had a really, really interesting season. Oh, yeah. Um, and at the end of it, you know, they were they were flawed, but playing their best basketball. Um, you know, you, essentially they lost both starting wings from last year. True. When they when they had they had their run. And I, I I still don't know if they had enough shooting. But I mean, yes, it was classic kind of Izzo. The, the Big Ten was interesting because I'm not sure anybody was great, but there was a lot of good. And, you know, the perfect example of it is Michigan State and Wisconsin, who both had but Wisconsin, a terrible non-conference, terrible. Oh. And they turn and they get a share of the, their share of it. Some of it also comes from the fact that schedules aren't even, you know, and now the schedules are so spread out. You play one team in November, ACC is playing first game of the year, ACC games, you know, then you play them against again in February. And you, sometimes you have like half your starting lineup being different. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, I thought Michigan state was, you know, I, I was, who can't cheer for Cassius Winston? Man, I, just, I love that cat. Oh, and he's, you know, makes big shots. And then you have the death of his brother right before the, I mean, right before a game too. Right. It was crazy. Right. Um, I would have, that, that's a team that I would love to see how this, if you could have had one of those storybook endings. Uh, you know what? I'm up. I'm going to pivot off of the, these storylines. Just go to the all Americans. Let's get into some of the players. Okay. And then we'll get it. Uh, okay. I, I struggle with this. I wanted to put Azabuki on my first team, but I feel like I would have ended up with three big guys and I just struggled with that. And I'm, and so I, here's my first team. I went Obi Toppin. I'm going to go Garza. Garza was a monster this year. Monster. I love Peyton Pritchard. I don't care. I thought that guy, when push come to shove, I'm not sure. They're, him and Cassius Winston were probably the two guards that I trusted the most in a big spot. Right. Uh, yeah. And then I huge put shot maker. Yeah. huge shot maker. Then I put Miles Powell on uh, on my first team, and then Devon Dotson. I'm gonna. I know it's you know Dotson's not a great player, but like man, oh, yeah. I mean Kansas is they were gonna be the number one overall seed. I am a little bit of like team success breeds individual success. Like so, I was going. I went Dotson, Powell, Pritchard, Garza, Obi Toppin. Tell me where I'm wrong. I probably wouldn't have done Dotson. I would have done Azubuke just because Azubuke. You know. Yeah. Then the question is, who do you take off? Do you take Garza or Toppin? But my problem with Topham would just be, you know, is can anybody name any of the big guys in the A10? <laughs> no, right? right? Yeah. Oh, dominate the A10, like okay. And he's a really good athlete. He's a good. They're all good players. I, you know, if you if you drop that one, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me a ton. Okay. Um. Um. So, and I would have gone. I would have gone as as a bouquet there. The other thing, you know, I. Some I remember. I think you were doing a game late, and the the push for Marcus Howard because he led the country in scoring, and yeah, and even Miles Powell. Like, uh, look, Marcus Howard scored his last all four years, really, his last three years especially at Marquette, but it didn't lead directly to success. So I do think there is a yeah. I I, Peyton Pritchard was clearly the best and most important player on the team that was the best and won the Pac-12, and and he made huge shots. 
at home on the road anywhere. You know, like I think you go through the leagues, you're like, who are the league's best players? And if they happen to play on a really good team, like, like that's what a Miles Powell is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would have Sadiq Bay would be probably second team, but I mean, the Nova okay. team was interesting to me. Yeah, but those, yeah I, I, that would as a bouquet for Dodson would be my only adjustment. Yeah, because that was the only, I mean, it, the only guys in you know you you have Howard in the conversation because of the numbers, but I'm with you. Like ultimately, you got to win. You know, I mean, they you, yeah. you, you got to win more. You could have gone Petrusive with Gonzaga. You, Malachi Flynn, as you said, was on a heater and was on yeah. quite a team. Uh, you know, uh, by the end of it. You know, sometimes you're a victim of the own standard that you create. But Cassius Winston, like if we just would have started this season not knowing anything, we thought Cassius yeah. Winston was amazing. Sure. But he was kind of a victim but, of but, last yeah. season. But because he's first team, you know, preseason player of the year, right? And because they got out just yeah, yeah. And look, Flynn, Flynn was really, really good, and he was good when he played Creighton. He was good, you know. Yep. When they played Iowa, when they played teams out. My my issue with Flynn is. There was a there was a lull there towards you know Agreed. towards the end. Agree. And then um, and then just level of competition. Like I love the Mountain West, and I think if UNLV gets like when when UNLV and New Mexico and San Diego State are all good, like that league is awesome. Yeah, awesome. The venues are good. The crowds are good. Uh, the players are good. It, it is not there yet. Uh, from you know, it, it, its peak was like. Was 2013 or something was was its peak? Yeah, probably 2000 or 2014, 2013, 2014 was the three low seeds, whatever. Um, it's not there yet. It's getting closer, but like it, this was not a good league because the the other co great team was Utah State and they were injured. Their starting center was injured half the year. You know, New Mexico's two best players got you know thrown off the team during the year. It was just not a good league, so it's right. really hard. It, totally. to compare it's like top it's hard to compare top with garza who there's there, there's a lot of solid big guys in the in the big Ten. like there's one thing that that league has is you got yeah. a big you know big dude or two on every team he wasn't just scoring he was eating that league up and it was against really good big guys Okay, so who would be your player of the year? Because I, I, I kind of wrote down Toppin, but I kind of felt didn't feel good about it. Like every name yeah. I wrote down, I didn't feel good about it. I would have probably done Garza. Okay. Um, I would, I, you know, you know, my my issue would have been the same issue you have with some, you know, with Marcus Howard is Iowa won, but it wasn't like they won the league. It wasn't mm-hmm. like they dominated. And as good as is it as he is on offense, he's not terrible on defense, but. No one's showing Luca Garza highlight defensive no. highlight tapes as that this is how we want to play. So I was I'd be conflicted as well. I have a vote, you know. Mm-hmm. I voted, you know, I I voted for him, and I don't know. I didn't feel great about it, but it wasn't the worst thing on our earth. But yeah, they. I mean, Iowa would play some matchup zone just to park Garza inside. You know what I mean? Just be yeah. like, let's just have this guy not move as much as possible. Well, I rem- I listen. I was yeah. You know how close I am to Fran, as we discussed earlier. Yep. I remember last year they lost in the Big Ten tournament. I was hanging out with Rand. He's like, yeah, I just got the phone with Garza's dad. He's like, he's just, he, he just, I'm trying to tell him he's coming. He's, he's going to be fine. He's going to, it's like, I'm telling you, he can give you 20 and 10 a night. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and Rand knew he was going to be good, but I don't know if they thought he would be this consistent. Like, the kid really, he was awesome, a, man. I yeah, mean, he was awesome. He was awesome. Would you, uh, Coach of the year, I wrote down three names. One uh, okay. is probably because I'm a homer with Greg McDermott. Yep. I think what I think what Greg did this year was really, really impressive. They were picked to finish seventh. Now the issue is probably the people that picked them seventh. The I don't know the coaches what they were thinking, but I mean they they've 
share for the Big East title. Uh, you know, they were going to be a two or a three seed. I think he's got to get some love. And then I wrote down yep. Brian Dutcher and, and Anthony Grant. Those were to me three, the three dudes I wrote down. Yeah. I mean, I, all three, um, you know, nobody picked Anthony Grant to go from where they have 14 wins two years ago to, yeah. to this. And, um, you know, Dutch did, they were going to be good, but they were not picked to win the league. I think they're picked second, second maybe, correct. maybe third. Um, in that league. I think those are a couple of good ones. Um, Scott you know, Drew. I mean, Mark uh, Few. Well, Scott Scott Drew, I think, I just recorded a pod with him. I thought okay. his his team, and it's a it's a much more workman-like team than some of the other ones he's had in the past. Yeah. I think, I think that would be one. But, uh, I mean, I don't think Greg Gard is a terrible one, yeah. only in that to figure, you know, like, like we talked about at the start, everybody wants to win. Everybody's invested. And I mean, there were a lot of people like, Hey, is Greg Gard going to survive this? Yes. So winning the big 10, impressive. that was, that was pretty, pretty damn impressive. Um, I mean, I don't think Nova, I I think Nova, I think he could win it almost any year. And I don't know when this uh, switch flipped, but he's got a monster in Philly, man. Beautifully coached. Oh God. I mean, it is. And the practices are good as the games, mm-hmm. but you watch the, how they play and how they improve. And like, look, I'm with you. Ray McDermott does a great job. I don't know why they were picked so low. I mean, I did those games last year. Yeah. And you had the you Ballock know, game. You had the Ballock game. He had 11 threes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, and, and they use it and like, okay. I mean, Marcus is a stud. Yep. I mean, if you didn't know that Tyshawn and Marcus could really go get buckets. I mean, I guess the question is always defense. Sure. And I am surprised how well they played even without Epperson. Right. But um, I mean, I would, you could put Jay Wright on that, on that list, but that's, right. that's the probably your, your list is probably the good working list. If I was going to pick one, I don't know. Uh, I'd probably go, uh, you know, <laughs> I'd probably hard. go Anthony Grant. Yeah. I mean, that was the first name I wrote it, down. I mean, I mean, plus, you know, a little bit of his nephew to Alabama. I mean, let's just be, they ran him out of town. Like he couldn't coach. I mean, and it was, it never got really ugly there. He's just a really classy dude. And you know, he, he takes over a program and two years in they're a one seed. That's pretty powerful stuff. Okay. I, so here, here are the, I wrote down who my final four picks would be. And I put, I wrote down Kentucky because if I'm not mistaken, you were at that Texas tech game where they won. And that looked like, one of those environments that was absolutely ridiculous. And I, 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 for Kentucky to go into Lubbock and win that game against, you know, I mean, Chris Beard's teams are tough. Like I, that, I I know they had their ups and downs. I was like, that team's like, I feel good about pegging them in the final four. Ashton Haggins is really just a junkyard dog stud. Then I have Kansas. And then I put Michigan state just because of, you know, Cassius and how they were playing at the end of the year. And then I was kind of torn between Oregon and Seton Hall. I, I went with Seton Hall, but the, so those were those, I went I went the Hall, Michigan State, Kentucky, Kansas. Um. Okay. The, my only problem with Kentucky is that I remember Ashton Higgins and we, we didn't have a key. Yeah. Play at the right. End of the year yes. What happened with that? For pers- personal time, whatever. Yeah. Right. So okay. like, okay, if he played, yeah, I like that team. They were older. Richards mm-hmm. is a stud. Um. You know, Tyrese Maxey can take over a game. They they were playing three guards with, with those two and Quigley. 
yeah, uh, you know, I, I liked I liked Kentucky. So if if we're saying Higgins, that would have absolutely been one of my picks. Kansas would have been one of my picks. Um, after that is where it gets. Hard. Man, like I saw Louisville in person. You know, what'd you think? I, I never every and maybe I just caught him always on a bad night. I never was, and I love Chris Mack. I think I think yeah. when you have great coach conversations, if you don't include him, you're you're not doing it right. But I never, I I, I thought they were just pretty average at the point guard spot, and that matters. Um, you know, I think uh, he had uh, you know like Fresh Kimball. I you know he's just not a great athlete, but he was a stud. He was stud player. So. Yeah, I mean, I, they just they were missing something, and maybe point guards what they're missing. So anyway, if I was going to give you my four, I would do. Um, uh, who would we say? So you got Kansas, Kentucky, and then yeah, I, I put Michigan State, Seton Hall. But I just got so much love for Peyton Pritchard that I I wanted to. Yeah. I just felt like he could have. You know, Dana Dana would have got Dana would have kept Oregon in every game, and Peyton could have brought him home. That was kind of my. I, I would have done Oregon and Gonzaga. Those those have been okay. My other two. And then would you have pegged Kansas? As, yes. Yep, that's me yeah. too. Me yeah. too. So Kansas, Kentucky, and uh, Gonzaga and Oregon. There we go. I like it. Doug Gottlieb. I told you twenty five minutes, and it's been fifty eight minutes. So shame oh. on me, my man. Shame on me. No worries, dude. I gotta I gotta run. I gotta go watch Tiger King. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Thanks, Doug. Thank you.